the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you had a nice Easter Day weekend. Feels like everyone had something to celebrate and take time off with the family. Easter, Ramadan, Passover, all were overlapping. Then you get into the agnostics, people who don't believe in the Easter Bunny. And you throw in the masters and everyone has something, right? I know you're saying, did he really just say that about the Easter Bunny being agnostic? I try. I try. Year to date, NASDAQ's up 16.3%. The S&P 500 up 7.3%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 1%. Bitcoin's up a whopping 71%. Sitting at 28,444. Four, four, four. NVIDIA's up 89%. <clears throat> stock that I own. Stock that I bought when things were down. Stock that I always wanted to have. Stock that I watched run without me. I don't know. I'm telling you that for disclosure reasons, not for anything else. And to kind of say, we all kind of go through this, I think. There's an embarrassing intelligence leak out of the Pentagon. No one wants secrets posted on the Internet, especially not social media, especially not the United States government, especially not through the Pentagon and defense officials. But there was a massive leak of classified documents published on social media, many of which were considered top secret. The top secret documents reveal that the Pentagon's analysis of the war in Ukraine, including remarkable insights into Russia's military strategy, such as when and where it was planning missile strikes, but also exposed how the U.S. uh, is kind of snooping in on allies, such as South Korea, which could lead to awkward group chat conversations going forward. That's about all I'm going to get into at this point in time. Other than to say the war in Ukraine is something that Wall Street pays attention to. And we'll see if this develops any hair on it in the coming days. You don't want me for my political analysis. I believe to be true. Tesla is expanding in China. I saw this over the weekend and I was like, okay, a gigafactory in Shanghai. What's this mean? It's going to produce cars. It's planning to build a mega factory in the same city that'll make mega pack batteries. It's large-scale energy storage units that serve a growing market as the world shifts to renewable energy. CEO Elon Musk, who was reportedly in China over the weekend, has promised to make Tesla's battery division just as big as its car division. I know some people who got Tesla power roofs. Very few in the United States have gotten Tesla power roofs. I found the process when I went with Cinnamon Energy. I compared it to Tesla Energy, and I was just disappointed on how slow Tesla was. I get the, we don't have car salespeople. I don't get the, we don't have salespeople to help make a big decision like a solar roof. I felt it was too, how shall we say, contracted out. 
John Rahm won his first Masters, but it was a slog. The Spaniard pulled away on the sunny final day of the world's most famous golf tournament, dominated by storylines and trees falling over. Um, I found that interesting, trees falling over. I'm like, okay, is there a story there? There's not. Not for me. Elsewhere out there, ChatGPT claimed the mayor of Hepburnshire served time in prison over a bribery scandal linked to the Reserve Bank of Australia. And well, he did not. This is going to be interesting when we get scenarios of garbage in, garbage out. Um, what does it mean when ChatGPT fails? I'm trying to prep a get-together for portfolio reviews and just kind of meet and greet. You don't have to do the portfolio review. That's not going to be part of it. But um, I asked ChatGPT, I'm like, write a commercial for a financial planning get-together over beers on a sunny day in Marin. And it did a pretty good job. I know you're saying, yeah, that's not the toughest commercial to write. It's not. But it did take out one person in the process. The inflation March. Wednesday, we're going to get a big report, the consumer price index for March. The Fed has signaled it will end its interest rate hikes imminently. Um, but that could be tricky if inflation doesn't start dropping. So we're going to pay attention to that number hard and fast on Wednesday. Because I think that's kind of, there's a little bit of a Titan coil going on there in the U.S. markets. as uh, Titan coil, Titan spring. We are waiting for the Fed to be done. A lot of TikTokers are coming to California because the weekend of Coachella, it's going to kick off the summer musical festival. Bad Buddy, Blackpink, and Frank Ocean are all headlining. Uh, sounds like a pretty good show. Sounds like a good time in the desert. Nice and warm, skimpy clothing, young people. Yep, that does sound a lot like a TikTok uh, show, does it not? It's kind of funny when some of these cultural phenomenons go the way of TikTok shows. Um, and I think you know what I'm picking up. I think you know what I'm trying to say there. It's um, I'm not saying it's hijacked because that's totally the wrong way of putting it. But it used to be kind of cool for the older people. Apple, NVIDIA, and Alphabet are all down a little bit this morning. Revenue warning out of Taiwan Semiconductor. And IDC highlighting excess inventory and poor demand persisting for the PC industry. I'll be honest, I'm shopping for PC replacement for my son going into high school. And we looked at the deals at Christmas and I'm like, nah, nothing really screaming. Looked at the deals over Easter and we're like, nah, nothing really screaming. But we do have to get one for fall semester. And I did see that South Korea, a Taiwan semiconductor company out of Taiwan, has cut memory production, trying to firm supply. When demand comes back, they don't have to drop prices as much. ExxonMobil is in discussions to acquire Pioneer Natural Resources. There's a little bit of retroactive. What happened on Friday? Weren't we closed on Friday for a good Friday? Uh-huh. And there was that employment situation in March, which remained solid with the unemployment rate flirting with record low levels. There was a deceleration seen in the pace of job growth and average hourly earnings viewed as a signal that the labor market is losing some steam. But the number that we got was pretty dramatically wonderful. The unemployment rate hit 3.5%. 
versus 3.6% in February. Persons unemployed for 27 weeks or longer counted for 18.9% of the unemployed versus 17.6% in February. Um, the labor force participant rate, uh, I don't want to get into participation rates. I don't want to get into the employment population ratio. I don't want to get into, sometimes I'll get into the average work week to kind of show you where overtime kicks in, and that's when it starts to make sense to hire people. But let's just say that was a strong number. Strong enough to the point that we can go, we, we don't see a recession. And yet we see high inflation, and we see high interest rates, and we do see a slowdown, and we do see some problems in, in credit. But slowdown does not equal recession. Elsewhere out there, Tesla is a standout today, trading down after a report that Reuters said the company has cut prices again in the United States. Latest price cut is its fifth cut since January. That hurts profit margins. Twitter also in the news as Elon Musk showed that he is truly a 14-year-old boy. Uh, painting over the W in Twitter to make it read Titter at San Francisco, breaking the relationship law contract with the landlord. He really just paint over the debut with to make it read tetter. Something's wrong with him at times, is it not? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Let's do something kind of interesting. I'm not quite sure how I feel about this one. Typically, you probably heard me last week say, hey, there's a stock called Take-Two Interactive. That when the next Grand Theft Auto game gets announced, it'll probably be six months to a year away from being done. And Wall Street loves that kind of thing. Oh, you've got a new semiconductor coming out. Oh, you got some new software coming out. In the world of video games, video games are basically top 10 movies. They can easily pull in a billion dollars worldwide. There's two coming out that are not Grand Theft Auto. And this is not something I recommend, but I'm talking about with you because maybe I could talk myself into liking the stock. I own shares of Activision. I think they're going to be taken over by Microsoft. I talked about that when that happened and the stock went to $70 a share, $80 a share, and it has a $95 takeout price. I don't see that much competition anti-competitive. I see Sony as the dominant player. I see Nintendo as the dominant player. I don't see Xbox as the dominant player. But that's a sidestep. And I'm only telling that to kind of give some context of why I'm talking about this. I grew up playing electronic arts. There was a game called Bird versus Magic. And I remember being 13, 14 years old after school and playing it on a Commodore 64 um, pretty regularly. Like, I, I remember that. Electronic Arts is the maker of said game. Now, they went on to make Madden. Their NBA franchise, the Bird against Magic Johnson, it's gone. And I don't think their NBA is quite as strong of a presence, but everyone knows Madden, right? (laughs) Young men, I say kids, young men under 25 will take the day off from work to play Madden when it's released. My son has no concept about football except for through Madden and um, two seasons of flag football now. 
but he can name almost every player in the NFL. And I'm fine with that. Electron, I know you're saying, I wish he could kind of use that, that knowledge base for uh, like nuclear physics. Me too. Me too. Daddy could retire early if he had that going for him. Electronic Arts shares have lagged the broader market this year. But one analyst is coming out today and saying, because Star Wars Jedi Survivor and EA Sports can help drive the shares 17% higher. That's an interesting call. Um, my son played the Star Wars Jedi, not the Survivor one, but the prequel to this one. And I pulled it up on YouTube and I watched some of it and I was kind of bored with it. But reading the reviews, people loved it. People are like, I felt like I was a Jedi in training. I felt like I was in the movie. Well, that's coming now for the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, the Star Wars Jedi Survivor sequel. And it could sell a lot of units. Jedi Fallen Order itself was highly praised. It sold 11 million units. If you pull out a calculator and you start going 11 million units... You see where this is going? How much is a game today? 60 bucks? That sound about right? Um, and then there's all these add-ins. The Last Jedi for EA pulled in over $660 million. I don't know what sort of like um, downloadable content or if they sold anything after the fact. I don't think they did um, in this case. But video game makers are, are famous for that. And not all games sold for the premium $60 price, but some sold for more. And $660 million, I mean, if I were to tell you it sold $500 million, and like you'd go, that's a, a better than Maverick. Not quite, but you get the idea, I think. Anyway, um, EA has the challenge of educating fans that there is no FIFA 24 this year. EA had a very expensive relationship with FIFA. And I, if you follow world soccer, you know that FIFA is an organization that is based in Sweden. And like, there's a lot of sports organizations based in Sweden because there's this weird, weird, um, a lot of bribery goes on. There's that there's these, you know, I'm not going to name other divisions, but FIFA is known for their corruption. I think there was a lacrosse one that was like wildly corrupting, like lacrosse. And that's right. This year, EA said, you know, they, they stuck their nose up to FIFA. So we're not going to license your name. We're going directly to the players. We're doing something different. So they've started the marketing window. Um, the EA Sports FC is the biggest swing factor of the company's top expectations. If you think my son will be smart enough to go, okay, there's no FIFA this year, but there is EA Sports FC, i.e. football club. Um. Will it be enough? Will it be able to sell as many units? Um, by not paying FIFA, they're able to save $150 million for its name license. EA's annual soccer video game will be called EA Sports FC. And that's the savings that will go into marketing. In theory, could go into marketing and not just into profits. So do you see upside on the shares of Electronic Arts based on these two near-term catalysts? I'm going to leave that one up to you. I'm not going to take credit for it in any way, shape, or form. Let's move on. Microsoft, Amazon, and Google can all deliver strong cloud results this earning season, so says an analyst. Amazon and Google have struggled, although Google started to make a move. When it fell to 90 because of ChatGPT, 
I said, you know, there's still a billion plus searches a day going through Google. It's not like it's a zero sum game and Microsoft chat GPT is going to put them out of business that fast. Nope. And now Google's worked their way back up to 106, $708. It's probably around 105 today. But one analyst is saying Microsoft, Amazon, and Google can all deliver strong cloud results. They did not all do that in the first quarter. Uh, well, this is the first quarter. So Microsoft has Azure. Amazon has Amazon Web Services. Alphabet has Google Cloud Platform. Wedbrush analyst Dan Ives wrote in a research note that he expects Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet to report cloud results for their upcoming earnings that neither, either, either, either beat Wall Street expectations or meet Wall Street expectations. Saying large cap tech and subsectors such as cloud and cybersecurity are seeing more resilient growth than the street had anticipated. Now we know that in the last year it's been very silent, very shut down as far as um, new offerings, new IPOs. The venture capital market's tight right now. Money's not free flowing. When money's free flowing, you and I come up with, hey, let's come up with a new video game. We need a lot of bandwidth to deliver that. Let's come up with a new software package for taxes. We need a lot of bandwidth. And that's what Amazon Web Service, that's what Web Services do. So they've lost the lower end customer, but the bigger end customer is having a bigger spend. Microsoft and Amazon have surged 22% this year, while Alphabet's jumped 23%. Service provider spending is still weakening from last year's highs as the industry adjusts to slower post-COVID growth. But planned investments by cloud and hyperscale providers have broadly held up since last month. But we're getting into earnings season. We're starting to see things that we're probably watching out for. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. April is Financial Literacy Month, a time of the year that encourages everyone to take the time to learn important financial skills. We're not really taught it in high school. Sometimes our parents don't pass on the skills to us. So it's all about financial fiscal wellness. I am lucky enough to work with EP Wealth, who has a focus on investor education, including teaching financial skills to clients as well as the general public. Joining me today to talk a little bit about this, Vice President and CFP, Lucas. Karish. He's in the San Diego office. You can find him at epwealth.com. Today's topic is a good one. How to talk to your spouse about finances. Having done radio for 25 years, Lucas, I've one of the very first things I ever learned was that they're savers and they're spenders. And when you kind of get together in the marriage, you have to figure out, are you a saver or you're a spender? And I'll go as far as to say, savers should marry savers, spenders should marry spenders, <laughs> but that may not be the appropriate for this content. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, having been married now almost 10 years uh, and and counseling lots of couples in our process here, I've found that to be very true as well. You have you have a natural spender and a natural saver. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> it's come up a lot, actually. One spouse who prefers to, to save, the other's already found a way to spend it before it comes in. And often I've found that they're learned patterns, they're learned habits. And so helping clients uh, uncover those, to vocalize them, to articulate them, it can be half the battle. I learned early in relationships in my 20s, it was with girlfriends, and the budget was a tough one to do. You're going to pay half the rent, I'm going to pay 60% of the rent, 40%. Scenarios like that. And I, what I learned was never invite alcohol into that conversation. 
Um, because people really handle financial conversations differently and you really got to be calm and patient. Um, but then my thirties getting married, do we spend a lot on a wedding? Do we not? Do we save for retirement? Do we fund a kid's college plans? Um, it's something that evolves with time. And I'm sure by the time people become clients, they're a little bit more mature than the twenties and thirties. Um, is that something you see as well? Uh, yeah, mature in some ways, not so much in other ways, right? So the back to that kind of topic of figuring out kind of um, who, what, what's important to you. That's really what we do at EP Wealth from a planning standpoint, and it really comes out in this conversation for spouses and partners because figuring out kind of what money means to each of them is huge. And and I I try to do that with clients as often as possible uh, because identifying how money was handled in their family of origin can really, really influence the conversation in a big way. Because if a partner can learn about why the other is the way they are and what's most important to them and what's under the surface, it can, it can really bring about a lot of understanding, a lot of empathy. If they're approaching the decision from those different perspectives, just on the surface level and they disagree or there's conflict, um, yeah, I've found that digging a little deeper to their story and bringing that to the table helps tremendously. And so um, yeah, that's that's really what we try to do with clients when there is kind of a conflict or there's there's something differing there. Um, yeah, I think it's important. Um, I use a CFP at EP Wealth, Brad. Um, he does a really nice job of handling my wife. Obviously, I work in the industry. I do a financial podcast. I talk about this all the time tips, hints, tricks. She doesn't. Yeah. Um, so he's a nice bridge for her and yeah. a nice backup plan. And it takes pressure off me. So I find it not a marital counselor, but pretty close. Yeah. There's um, a lot of overlap. Yeah, for sure. I think um, for, for someone who maybe has more of the primary financial responsibility and then another um, focuses in other areas, it's, it's really common, right? In any marriage, um, there's a division of labor. There's kind of someone's a little bit more strong in certain areas and, and someone in the others. And so uh, it's not uncommon for spouses to lock into their natural lanes and solidify those habits over the years. So oftentimes someone can feel a little taken advantage of or underappreciated. And so depending on who you are in the relationship dynamic, it, it might be the one who's more responsible who feels underappreciated or maybe the one who's less involved wants to be the, in the know and a part of financial decisions, but you've just operated a certain way for so many years. And so having a third party, like you said, it can really help um, bridge that gap and, and bring a voice to each of those, to each of those perspectives. Let's go backwards and they'll go forward. I like what you just said about having the third party, but I want to go back to, um, my spouse, her father is a spender. Mm -hmm. uh, he gets like a car. And then two weeks later, he takes the car back. And I'm like, no, that's the worst <laughs> thing you could possibly do. Yeah. Whereas I'm a saver. And recently I've had to like say, I've got enough. Yeah. Let's let's enjoy it. Um, so we approach things very differently. Is that the common thing that you see of like, maybe it's uh, the father-in-law and maybe it's, you know, my dad was, my dad was a jerk he would do the taxes and he would hide everything from my mother, except for the signature line. Oh, and she God. had to sign it. <laughs> okay. so, you've probably never seen anything that bad. Have you? Yeah, that's, that's another level, but you know, everyone, everyone's got their, <laughs> their ways of doing things. But yeah, I think um, the whole topic of, of uh, sitting down to talk together 
Um, and, and getting on the same page is huge, especially if you have a spender and a saver. Um, oftentimes, couples can find that they have maybe similar goals or similar ideas of what is um, important to them. And that can help unify their approach because maybe they both want to be able to retire at a certain age, or maybe they both want to live in a certain neighborhood, or maybe they want their kids to have a certain opportunity for, for education, or they want to be generous in a certain way with their time or their resources and how they get there might look different for each partner. One might think, well, we need to spend our way there. And one might think we need to save our way there. But I think unifying on those goals can then help the other get behind compromise, right? Because it's going to take a combination of of planning for the future and, and saving while also enjoying life today and living and and feeling that sense of accomplishment along the way with with spending. Um, there there is a balance and um, helping couples strike that balance is really, really what we're trying to do. And what we're not trying to do is to cause stress for people and married couples. And one of the most important things you could do is if you work with a financial planning team is to disclose everything that you can, your goals. When do you want to retire? Um, Do you want to save for your kids college? Do you want to pass money on to your kids? It's conversation, but it's stressful. And that again, brings into the whole third party concept that you were bringing in. You're doing a lot of data gathering and just trying to pull two funnels into one is your goal, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. During our onboarding phase, we have a, we have a specific document called life goals and, you know, they have their data checklist for, you know, all their statements and tax returns and estate documents, but then there's the life goals where it's, it's, it's a little more touchy feely, but it's really important. It's, it's the why behind the what, because the dollars, that's what drive the plan forward. But um, once the couple can kind of understand the why behind those goals um, and behind the dollar signs, that's what that's what really informs the decision. So there's categories on that sheet like, you know, financial goals, career goals, legacy goals, recreational goals, charity, and then timeframes that they want to accomplish them. Is it in the next month? Is it in five years? Is it over your lifetime? And we ask clients to fill that out as best as they can um, because it really helps it helps inform the planning process and it helps us remind clients along the way what kind of their true north is. Um, when clients get distracted by the shiny new object or the, the new investment opportunity that they think they need to do, the goals help us kind of realign and filter that decision through what they've communicated is most important to them. And so um, that really is what we do often with clients. It's why we check in every single quarter because there's always something different that comes up and we want to make sure we help clients stay on course and stay true to what it is that for them is most important. And that looks different for everybody. I can tell you being on the client end of this, it's a great relief, Lucas, when the CFP comes to me and my spouse and say, you got enough. You no longer have to worry about this. It's, it's a stress relief and it, it helps the marriage. 
um, enormously. Absolutely. Thanks very much. It's Vice President CFP Lucas Karish. He's in the San Diego office of EP Wealth. You can find him online at epwealth.com. He's going to be putting a blog together on this at epwealth.com forward slash blog. It's Financial Literacy Month, and EP Wealth has given me the time to talk with great CFPs at the company. A great opportunity for individuals to seek out tips, tutorials, guides, and help brush up on the knowledge that they need to get ahead in financial management concepts. Lots of good content at epwealth.com forward slash blog. Thanks, Lucas. Thanks, Rob. And I really want to stress that I believe that education is super important. And the company I work with, EP Wealth, after being independent with CFP Chad Burton for 25 years, roughly, we both saw that the opportunity to market more product and to understand more product and to implement more product was super important. So that's what we're doing. I'm highlighting what we have and what we got out there as far as knowledge base goes for you to use. Check it out at epwealth.com forward slash blog. Generation Z is saving more for retirement than previous generations. I was a little bit surprised by that, but listen to why. In 2006, 30% of employees age 18 to 24 participated in their company's 401k versus 62% in 2021. So 30% in 2026, uh, 26, 2006, 62% 50 years, 15 years later. That's a doubling. The reason for the uptick is that in 2006, a law paved the way for widespread adoption of auto enrollment and retirement plans. In 2006, 11% of plans in Vanguard's study sample offered automatic enrollment. That rose to 50% of plans 15 years later. In plans with voluntary enrollment in 2021, about one in four Generation Z employees participated versus nearly 90% in plans with the automatic enrollment. I love automatic enrollment. I think it would help if you were to talk to your children and your children's children about the benefits of saving long term through a 401k, a 403b. I love this study. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. Fear is flying by, is it not? Yes. We are having a very good year for growth, not such a good year for value. We're having a great year for income. It depends on what you need in your portfolio to see if what you're going to get is what you want. Airbnb fell a lot on Friday, and I own shares of Airbnb. I'm not talking about that this for that reason alone. I just think the story is kind of interesting. A lot of the top renters for Airbnb are power renters. And the stock sold down on a story that people who are making the most being the power users of of putting up rental properties might at some point in time start to directly compete with the platform i.e we don't like the cut we're going to look for a better way of doing this ourselves and they have first mover advantage clearly The company's top hosts have begun competing directly with Airbnb on new platforms. So Airbnb's top professional hosts are building out their own booking platforms and offering cheaper deals to cut out Airbnb, growing their own email list and distributions. One of the things that power hosts can do is put a router in their home that captures your email address and then start marketing to you that way because they're kind of cut out of that information process 
working with the Airbnb. Airbnb's top professional hosts are building out their own booking platforms and looking to basically save some money, right? So the stock fell a lot on Friday, 6%. Is that a buying opportunity? I'll tell you, you always have to have five reasons why you like a company and five reasons why you don't. Now, that's a little bit too cheeky, but it's a good start. Do you like the CEO? Do you like the product? Do you like the margins? Do you like the revenue? Do you like the outlook? Those are some of the areas where you could start. Professional property managers represent 1% of all vacation rental hosts, but manage 23% of available listings, which generate 35% of the total revenue. So this is big stuff for Airbnb. And if you are a, a power host, you know, you know, you don't really want to cut in Airbnb just for booking your place for you. Unless you're like me who only does the Airbnb on a brutal occasion. Um, maybe I'll put my place up, you know, once a year. I don't need to do it. I don't want to do it. But if I'm going to be on a vacation for two weeks at Christmas and the holidays, maybe I'd do it. So it's not the casual user. It's the power user who's turned it into a business model. I just found that kind of interesting to share with you that uh, even though I like the company enormously because they have enormous profit margins, they don't actually own the inventory. There's still going to be some flags. You know, I like the fact that they don't own buildings. I don't like the fact that their top 1% power host could jump and they could lose 30% of their profits. That's scary. That's a negative flag, right? You have to be honest with yourself. If you can't, you shouldn't be an investor. Reasons why you like, reasons why you don't like. Teslas keep getting cheaper. EV maker lowers prices on all models again. The manufacturer cut prices between 2% to 6% with the largest cuts on Tesla's more expensive Model S and X. Tesla trimmed the prices of Model S and X in early March. And in January, Tesla slashed prices by as much as 20%. Tesla cut the prices of its slower-selling Model S and X vehicles by 5000 to 84000 and 94000 respectively. Last month, the automaker slashed the model's prices between 4 and 9%. Buying a Tesla just got cheaper. If you've already bought one, ooh, how do you feel about that? I'm finding the naming of Tesla vehicles starting to get a a bit annoying. Let's see if you're with me on this one. The Model S, the Model S Plaid, the Model 3, the Model 3 Performance, the Model X, the Model X Plaid, the Model Y Long Range, the Model Y Performance. Okay, I know you're saying you're sounding like an old man. I am an old man. You can find me online at oldman.com. Old man, take a look at your life. Take a look at the markets. Um, again, very good first quarter. We are now in the second quarter. We are now starting to move towards earnings of the first quarter. I think obviously that's an important one for wall street is how do earnings hold up while interest rates move higher? The S P 500 is down fractions today, down one half of 1%. The Dow is down one tenth of 1% tiny. And the NASDAQ's down almost 1%. But the Russell 2000, interesting for me to note this, that is a group of smaller U.S.-based companies usually. They're small companies, small capitalization, up three-quarters of 1%. Now, I look at that, I go, is that because of something that's going on with Ukraine? Is that something going on in Europe? What is it? Or is it the positive jobs number where if we have jobs in America, we tend to spend in America? 
Crude oil sits at $80 a barrel. No big story there. Gold is playing with a nice round number of 2,001. 2,001. 10-year treasury sits at 3.4%. My personal belief is, is if the 10-year treasury stays around 3.4%, it's in an area where things can work well. Not saying that things will work well. I'm saying it's in an area where things can work well. So the environment's good. Now you need outlook. Now you need demand. Now you need some other things. But you're with me or against me. Bitcoin's up $446 today, sitting at 28338 There's really no other data that I'm looking at that is shocking me. Uh, we did see the jobs report on Friday. That was a solid number. And again, in the world of higher interest rates, due to higher inflation, Inflation's coming down very, very slowly on new and used car prices and on uh, shelter. Those two areas, I think, are the most problems right now for the Federal Reserve. If you need a vehicle to get to work, it's costing you, whether you get it new or used. Now, a lot of that was due to car production plunging, uh, severe chip shortages. 30. Buyers turn to used vehicles for lack of other options. Bottlenecks are easing. Inventories are rising. Car industry remains cautious now because... The financing is a little less unclear with Silicon Valley Bank and the regional banks being a little bit tighter these days. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com